the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, followed closely by your friendly neighborhood radio talk show host, and that would be me, Greg Britton, with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans, and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous, or as the FBI calls us, domestic extremists. Um, we see every day, okay, every hour, the need for people to step up and fulfill the obligations of that most important political office if we're going to keep the country, our freedom, the republic, little things like that. Uh, very pleased this week to welcome back to the show one of our one of our favorites, uh, Susan Shelley, um, who, despite here living in California, I think she's a confirmed California girl, and you'll you'll, you'll to, you know, to the end they will they will bury her here in the end. Always maintains a a good disposition and outlook, and doesn't let all of the uh, stuff that's going on. Get her down. She is a uh, columnist with the Southern California News Group. He's on their editorial board and is a vice president with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Uh, welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you, Greg. Great to be with you. Well, the, the, the reason that I, I reached out to you this week to ask you to be on the show is I read one of your columns and I'm pretty jaundiced view of politics and, you know, they're all liars, crooks and thieves and those are the good ones. Um, but this in this one, um, and you can fill in the, the additional facts is that the hotel in Los Angeles, the hotel workers union had qualified a, a city initiative that would have required the hotels to report every night how many vacant rooms they had. And then the city would send them that number of homeless people to stay in those rooms and pay, they, they, would, they would pay for them. But intermixed with their regular guests. And, of course, the regular guests would probably be none too happy with that um, because crime, drug use, or at least the threat of that. And they reached a deal. Um, God, you know, the godfather, uh, you know, the, the deal that you can't refuse, that the hotels would pay a bunch of money for the homeless industrial complex and the union would withdraw the initiative. It's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a nice hotel you got there. You wouldn't want anything to happen to it now, would you? That's essentially what happened. The, uh, this happened, it started last year. The Unite IE, Unite IE, excuse me, it's <laughs> Unite Here Local 11. Unite Here Local 11 is the union that represents hotel workers, and they collected signatures for a, an initiative ordinance that they wrote that said the hotel industry is causing problems with uh, housing, and therefore... They must, they must solve the housing problem is essentially what it was. They called it the responsible hotel ordinance. And it had the provision you mentioned 
where all hotels in the city of Los Angeles would have to call the city every afternoon and report how many vacant rooms they had, and then the city would send over homeless people with vouchers, and the hotels would be prohibited from refusing the guests or the vouchers as payment. In addition, an entire gauntlet of things that hotel developers would have to do before they could get permission to build, including reviews of how this had an impact on housing and transit and traffic and child care and local businesses and local employment and all kinds of things, essentially a list of people who would be able to present demands to the hotel developer, and if they weren't satisfied, they could block the development of a new hotel. That was one part of it. And then there was a police permit part where the hotels would have to get a police permit to operate, and this could be revoked for things like being accused of wage and wage violations under the labor code. So if there was a dispute over overtime and whether people had been paid correctly or a flaw on the uh, pay stub, some address that was abbreviated wrong, that would technically be cause for a complaint that could cause the police permit to be suspended. This was all in this ordinance. It's an absolute ransom note. It was, because it was qualified in the city of Los Angeles, the city council had two choices. They could adopt it immediately without changes, or they could send it to the ballot for voter approval. So that's what they did. They pushed it as far away as they could to the March primary, next year's March primary, and it is set right now to be on the ballot in March. Well, the hotel industry apparently was afraid that it would pass because they have agreed to a deal that is everything essentially that was in it, except they take that homeless portion of it and they make it voluntary. But then they create all these other things that the city can block the hotels from doing unless the city is satisfied that everything is fair and the impact has been mitigated, which means that they could force the hotels to do a whole list of new things in addition to what they're required to do under this substitute ordinance that the city is now going to adopt without voter approval. I think the hotels have been swindled on this. I really don't think they got a very good deal. They think the alligator is going to eat them last. Good luck with that. And uh, they have agreed essentially to pay for housing. Every time there's a hotel that's going to be developed, the city is going to go through the records for the previous 10 years on that piece of property. And for every rent-controlled or covenant-controlled unit, the hotel industry is going to have to pay for new construction to replace that unit that was demolished 10 years ago. But here's the thing. The city is the one driving landlords out of business with their terrible policies and then all their COVID policies and everything has been driving landlords out of business. And now it's going to be the hotel industry's responsibility if they buy the land to put up housing again. So this is, I think, a little concerning. That's what's well, it's more be. than a little concerning. First of all, I mean, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're own a hotel, if you're a hotel developer, why after this you would ever invest money in building a hotel or expanding a hotel in Los Angeles or probably California for that matter? Um, you need to have, you need, as a, as the saying goes, you need to have your head examined. Exactly. But you're, but, but if you, but if you're stuck here and I've, and you've got a big hotel here or even a, even a small hotel, um, Kind of, what are you going to do? You're, 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 you can't, you can't pick up your hotel and move to Texas. Well, you can actually. You can close your business and sell it and, and you can leave. And then whoever buys it is going to have these, <laughs> all these mitigations to deal with. If another hotel company buys it, uh, they're going to have to deal with all of this. 
And I think it's just unfortunate because where's the money going to come from to pay for housing now that we're assigning this responsibility to the hotel developers? Well, it's going to come out of higher room rates and all of the things that hotels provide for their guests, everything's going to be more expensive because all of those costs have to be They'll have to be amortized over the life of the project, and so everything's going to be more expensive, which makes Los Angeles less competitive for conventions and visiting and all the rest of it. And people can stay outside the city and visit the city. You can stay in Burbank, Glendale, Long Beach, Anaheim, and you're not part of this, and you can still come in and visit the Los Angeles events. So I think what it does is it it creates a disadvantage for the city of Los Angeles in this very important business, very important tourism business, even the hotels that are near Universal City, uh, they are part of the city of Los Angeles. The Universal itself is part of the county of Los Angeles. It's unincorporated. But that little strip of land where the hotels are, that's the city. So mm. these hotels are involved in that. And it's, I think the, I think the larger issue and why this, this kind of, uh, got my, got my attention, kind of like the, uh, the old robot on the Lost in Space show, Danger or Robinson, Danger or Robinson. Because the danger to the republic of this kind of thuggery by the government and its union and, and its and its allies threatens our freedom and um and, and the republic. Because if you can go to a business and give them the um, Godfather like deal deal, you can't refuse. Because you know, if, if you don't give us what you want, then we're going to pass this law. We're going to pass this ordinance. So you better, you know, if you like your business, you want and you want to, yeah, uh, Winston Churchill. If you want to be, you want the alligator to eat you last, you better comply. And this was this was this got this got out into the public eye. And there was a similar one where the they were going to put a statewide initiative to hold franchise or corporations like uh, Jack in the Box, McDonald's, and and so on liable for the what their franchisees do. And based on that, they caved and they went along with this uh, statewide commission to set rate set wages and, and working conditions. So, and for those public events, how many more? Don't come to light where the government says, you know, if you know, we're going to, you know, if you want to keep your business, if you, if you don't want, if you don't want us to do X, Y, Z to you, you better, you better, you better, um, play ball with us. You better agree voluntarily or we're going to mm-hmm. come after you with something worse. That's absolutely right. That's exactly what they did with the cap and trade program, which is a tax on energy. They don't call it a tax, but it's a tax. If you don't pay it, you have to go out of business. And they put that on refineries and electricity generating facilities so that you're paying more for electricity and more for gas and more for diesel fuel and more for everything that's moved by truck in California. Everything that's manufactured here is all more expensive because energy is more expensive. And the reason that people went along with that in the business community, they, they sued over it originally and then they lost. And then when it was up for renewal, they didn't have to support the renewal, but they ended up supporting it because... If you don't do this, they were told, we're going to do command and control regulations, and that will be worse. So, yes. And there was, this, this one and, puzzles uh, me, though. This, this puzzles me with the hotel industry, because do they think that voters would have voted for this? Uh, may, you know, maybe they don't trust our election system, and they don't have any confidence that a campaign, no matter how effective, would result in a victory for their side, because maybe they don't trust the, the way we do our vote counting. Uh, it seems it seems unlikely to me that the people of Los Angeles would support an ordinance on the ballot 
put there by the union that was going to require hotels to bring in homeless people off the streets to stay side by side with paying guests. What happens? <laughs> not a lot of respect for that 11 a.m. checkout. This is, you can't just have Project Roomkey operating in the same hotel with paying guests. That's not viable. And no one in the hotel is trained to, to deal with that, that population. So what were they doing? And it was just a shakedown and it worked. And I'm really disappointed that it did. Well, I, I, I can, I can, I can understand that. If I've, if I've got a hundred million dollar hotel and I got a, I got a mortgage on it and there may be guarantees on that and whatnot, um, am, am I going to risk this versus I, I have to pay these additional fees and they get passed on to the people staying in the hotel, like every other hotel in Los Angeles. You can start to go, okay, well, um, you know, maybe discretion is the is 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 the is the, is the better part of economic value valor on on this one. But I I, I, want, I want to come back to this: is when government has this kind of power, it is incompatible with having a free country. That's true. Obama did something like this. They, they, they had something called Operation Checkpoint, Choke Point. And what they did was they pressured informally bankers to not make loans or have bank accounts for or have credit card processing for certain legal but disfavored businesses. Right. So when your, so when your business can be destroyed, you can be debanked by a, a phone call from a politician or government bureaucrat to your banker. Again, incompatible with having a free country. Um, John Adams said, and we're going to go to break after this, uh, wisely remi- warned us, if you've forgotten it, there is danger from all men. The only maximum by free government is to trust no man living with the power to endanger the public liberty. You've forgotten his wise words. Let's hear from uh, Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590, The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups. Very pleased to have on the show this week, Susan Shelley. He's a columnist with the SoCal Daily News Group. You can find her work in their papers, including uh, the San Marino Sun, Redlands Daily Facts, Riverside Press Enterprise, the Orange County Register, and, and a bunch of others. He's also a vice president with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. She also has her own website, Susan Shelley. 
and Shelly is S-H-E-L-L-E-Y dot com. Um, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association has a proposed initiative to uh, repeal the death tax in California. And uh, as a, as as the price of getting Susan to come on the show this week, we have to give her time to uh, to talk about the initiative. <laughs> it's a public service. This is a very important issue to millions and millions of Californians, and many people don't even know yet how it's going to affect them. Here's how you find out. Someone dies, and you get a letter from the assessor telling you that you're going to have a ruinous, massive tax increase on your family property. And you get this letter in the mail with the sympathy cards. So that's why we call this a death tax. What it is is a change to the law regarding property taxes on inherited or transferred property between parents and children, a protection that people had in California for more than 30 years because of a constitutional amendment that was an initiative that was, excuse me, not an initiative, was put on the ballot by the legislature and passed with 75% of the vote to protect transfers of property between parents and children from being, in, from having a tax increase. Parents were able to pass their home of any value and up to a million dollars of assessed value of other property, like a small business property or a duplex or something like that. You could pass from parent to child without changing the tax bill. And people relied on that for more than 30 years, and now it's gone. Where did it go? In Prop 19 in 2020, which looked like it was about helping wildfire victims and helping seniors move to a new home, which it was, and it did, and that's fine, in the fine print, they took away the parent-child transfer exclusion from reassessment. So now, when parents pass property to children, it is reassessed to current market value, and the new tax base is 1% of that current market value plus all the bonds and parcel taxes and the rest of the things that are on your bill. This is a ruinous tax increase. They put an exclusion in, which is limited and capped and temporary. And so it is not as protective as people were told. And in fact, people were told very little about this during the 2020 campaign, and it's coming as a huge surprise. Now, the exclusion is if a child moves into the parent's principal residence and makes it their own principal residence within one year, stays permanently, and you only get a capped amount of benefit from it to protect you from the tax increase. If your new, if the home that you've moved into, your parent's home, is worth more than the assessed value plus a million dollars, everything above that is taxed at market value. So even if you move in, in many parts of the state, you can see your property tax bill double. And it's just ruinous for people. And no one knew this was on there. So what the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association is doing is trying to get this back on the ballot for voters to look at again in the daylight. And we call it the Repeal the Death Tax Initiative. It's at repealthedeathtax.com. And all you have to do is go to repealthedeathtax.com and click download the petition, and you will get the official petition that you can print out, sign, mail back. That is an official legal petition. It's one page, any kind of paper, whatever you have in your printer, or go to Staples or go to Office Depot or go to anywhere that they'll print it for you, repealthedeathtax.com, get the petition, fill it out, sign it, send it back. We need a million signatures. Time is ticking. We are starting to run out of time. We only have till the middle of January, and we're in the middle of November. So time is ticking away. 
Don't procrastinate. Repealthedeathtax.com. If you care about this issue, this is your chance to fix it so that parents can, again, transfer property to their kids and families can build generational wealth in every every community because some communities don't have a long history of real estate ownership and they're just getting on the ladder now and boom, their legs are being cut out from under them and everybody falls to the ground with these tax increases. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. It also affects, interestingly, renters because apartment buildings are reassessed current market value when they're transferred. So all the buildings in California that are mom-and-pop landlord-owned are going to be reassessed to market value when transferred to the next generation. And if the units are under rent control, that's not a viable business with those higher costs. Very likely that the building will be sold, the units will be withdrawn from the market, which is government speak for everybody gets evicted, and then the building is sold and demolished. We could lose an awful lot of affordable housing in California because of this, and it's just really bad policy. Repealthedeathtax.com. That's my commercial. Thank you for letting me do that. I certainly think that the, the government taxes too much. It spends too much. And, uh, you know, Will Rogers once said that, you know, thank, thank God we don't get all the government we pay for. <laughs> um, In California, but, we probably do. But, you know, it's like in California, we have the highest diesel and gasoline taxes counting the cap and trade tax, and we have the worst roads in the country. So we're paying, we're paying a lot and we're getting lousy, lousy government services in return. But I'm going to take a little bit of a contrary position on this mm-hmm. is what you, ha- so what, what you have, I understand why Prop 13, I voted for it. I was enthusiastically in voted, voted, voted for it originally in 1978 because when you tie your property taxes to market value, which you can't control, then you, they can, in, in an upswing, you get, you just, people can get taxed out of their homes, out of their businesses. And I, I got that, and, and that's, a, that's a real problem. But what happens, the converse of this is you get property, and I use, I use this as, as an example. My uncle bought property in the Silicon Valley, normal, not a nice middle-class house, back in the 1970s. And he still owns it. And, uh, you know, I, he's getting up there. So I mean, one of these years, he's, you know, I'm sure he and his, he and his wife are going to pass and they probably have a home that's worth well more than a million, maybe, maybe more than two million dollars because of where it is. And the neighbors, if they, if they bought the property more recently are paying property taxes based on the, that, that value. Uh, whereas he's paying property taxes based on 1970s value, 1970s value. And you know, how many how many generations should we, should um, you be able to keep that 1970s valuation plus the annual two percent increase? I got that. When everyone else in the neighborhood is paying current taxes based on the current fair market value, so maybe there should be something that would protect everybody that we wouldn't have this. But I, I think this is I think just this intergenerational for any number of properties. Um. Holding that valuation is is unfair. We should do something that that benefits all taxpayers more broadly. And you can tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I think you're wrong because I don't think it's the government's money. And people who have paid property taxes for 30 years and invested in their community and built something for their family, many people make a lot of sacrifices to continue to own a home in California. 
and they want to pass something to their children. I don't think it's right that the government comes in and says, ha ha, the Silicon Valley is now worth so much more that this family property that the parents wanted to leave to the children has to be taxed as if everybody's the Hearst family. And this is all Hearst Castle. We want to tax you out of your property so a corporation can come in and buy it and they can rent it to somebody. Why shouldn't the family be able to rent it to somebody? Why shouldn't that 30 years of effort to pay off the mortgage and invest in the community, why shouldn't that be a property right as well? Why should everyone be taxed out of their property? It, You know, Prop 13 lets these assessed values go up 2% a year, so they do go up. No one's paying 1978 property taxes. They do go up year by year, plus there are bonds, plus there are parcel taxes. The property taxes can be quite substantial, even apart from the assessed value. Do you want to create a situation where middle-class people are taxed out of their family property? You know, in many immigrant communities, in the black community, people have not owned property for many generations, and they're just now coming into some wealth from it. They're just now creating generational wealth. People who live in the Los Angeles area, whose valuations have gone up because of the construction of stadiums and sports facilities, their value is now much more. And they are losing those homes because they don't have the income to pay those property taxes. And I just think that's very unfair. There you have it. And you can get your, if you want to sign the petition, you can go to repealthedeathtax.com, download it, sign it, and uh, and, and, uh, and send it in. And then if, a, if it qualifies, we will, let the, we will let the voters decide. Stay tuned for the exciting second half of Unite, i.e. Radio. AM 590. The answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Residency Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great free and prosperous. Very pleased this week to have on the show Susan Shelley. She is a columnist with the SoCal Daily News Group, and she's also a vice president with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. You can connect with them at hjta.org. And Susan Shelley has her own website at Susan Shelley, which is S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. Dot com. You can see uh, her work there also in the many newspapers in SoCal that uh, are owned by the SoCal Daily News Group in our area. That would include Residence Daily Facts, San Bernardino Sun, and the Riverside Press Enterprise. We're talking about the uh, effort uh, to repeal the death tax by the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Um, but the legislature, ever since it passed in 1978, they have been unrelenting in their efforts the tax users and the, uh, to undermine it, repeal it, limit it in any way they can. And they've got some new initi- initiatives that will be coming up in 2024 to do so. Tell us about those. Well, the legislature has come for Prop 13. They're, they're really over the top this year. They always attack it, but this year they're going straight at its throat. ACA 1, Assembly Constitutional Amendment 1, which was introduced year by year for several years and never made it out, made it out, and it's going to the ballot. We don't have the proposition number yet, but let me tell you what it is. It changes Prop 13 so that the two-thirds vote that's required for special taxes, 
at the local level is down to 55%. So instead of 66.7% to pass a tax increase, they would only need 55% to pass a tax increase. Now, they say it doesn't apply to everything. It only applies to infrastructure. But infrastructure is everything. Everything's infrastructure that the government does. They pour a puddle of concrete next to a pay raise. It's infrastructure. And it also applies to these various housing projects, public housing projects that they want to build all over the place. So your taxes will be raised for all of this homeless industrial complex kind of construction and all of the transit deficits that are going on because people have stopped using public transit. That can be a, an infrastructure tax, uh, any kind of a, any kind of a building that the government has offices in, any kind of a, a first responder type of building. Some of them will be good projects and some of them will be wasteful projects, but they'll all pass with 55% and your taxes will go up after every election. That's ACA 1. It's a direct amendment to Prop 13. It affects so-called special taxes, which means the money is dedicated to a specific purpose. And those are generally easier to persuade voters to agree to because they, they think they see where the money is going. But once you say it's infrastructure, well, it could be anything. So they're going to start just raising your taxes over and over again if that passes. So we have to defeat ACA1. And the other thing that they did, this was a really deceitful one. There is going to be a measure on the November 2024 ballot called the Taxpayer Protection Act which is the latest effort to close these various loopholes that the courts have opened, that the legislatures have opened in Prop 13. Like, for instance, there's a new loophole that started in 2017 that says if a tax increase is put on the ballot by initiative with signatures instead of by the city council, maybe the Constitution doesn't apply. And it doesn't need a two-thirds vote. Maybe it only needs a simple majority. The Supreme Court said this in a case in 2017 as dicta, as a sort of a side note. And then the appellate courts have upheld that that's what it means, that an initiative tax increase doesn't need a two-thirds, it only needs a simple majority. Well, we think this is ridiculous, and so we want to enforce Prop 13. It needs a two-thirds no matter how it gets on the ballot. And by the way, who's standing in front of the supermarket collecting signatures to raise their own taxes? Nobody. So who's doing it? special interests that are going to get the money. They're the ones who are doing it. And they get these on the ballot, and then they pass more easily. So the Taxpayer Protection Act shuts that down, and it also creates a another layer for state taxes, like the gas tax would have been one of these. Uh, after it's passed by the legislature with a two-thirds vote and the governor signs it, it has to go on the ballot for voter approval. That's very important to protect taxpayers from state tax increases. So, of course... The legislature hates that. The cities hate that. The governor hates that. What they did is they passed something called ACA 13, which changes the rules for passing just that one measure, the Taxpayer Protection Act. Every constitutional amendment in the history of California has passed with a simple majority vote, but this one they would require a two-thirds. So they thought they'd kill it that way. But the polling is very strong because people have had enough of higher taxes in California. And so... Guess what they did next to try to kill the Taxpayer Protection Act? They filed a lawsuit. Who filed a lawsuit? The governor and the legislature are suing to have the Taxpayer Protection Act taken off the ballot. These big fans of democracy don't want you to have a chance to vote on the Taxpayer Protection Act. 
So that is right now in the California Supreme Court under consideration, papers going back and forth, filings in the case. We'll see what happens. But I would be pretty much horrified if the Supreme Court said, yes, this duly qualified citizen initiative, the Taxpayer Protection Act, is going off the ballot because the governor doesn't like it. That would be really horrifying. That's where we are. They do not want it to be harder to raise taxes. They want it to be easier to raise taxes. If you want it to be harder to raise taxes, join the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association at hjta.org. We think it should be harder to raise your taxes. We think you pay enough. Yes. I think most people, most people, if you ask, are are your taxes too high? They're going to say yes. But, um, I'm not sure that they would say yes to, you know, should we, should we raise taxes on the quote rich unquote? Somebody else, I, I think, I remember who said it, but, you know, is, uh, you know, don't tax you, don't tax me, tax the fellow behind the tree. You know, it's such a bait and switch all the time. First of all, you know, there's this wealth tax proposal, which supposedly only affects the super rich. And it would let the, it would let the legislature put a tax on your assets, not just your income, but what you already own, an annual wealth tax. And it would require a constitutional amendment. So ACA 3 is the constitutional amendment. And if you look at that, it doesn't say anything about super wealthy people. That's in the legislation. That's in the bill that would be law, but it wouldn't be in the Constitution. What would be in the Constitution is the legislature can tax wealth. Well, guess what? Your house is wealth. Your retirement account is wealth. California could pass a law By a simple majority, in fact, I think it says that, they could pass a law that says your assets are theirs to tax. And that's the wealth tax. So that's another bait and switch. And the the one that's going to be on the ballot in March, Prop 1, rewrites the millionaire's tax from a few years back. The millionaire's tax was the 1% income tax increase on incomes above a million dollars for mental health services for people who provide mental health services at the county level. And now Prop 1 on the March ballot, and remember to think of it as the February ballot because they mail out in February, Prop 1 reroutes that money to housing instead of mental health services. So a bunch of the money could go to developers to build favored projects when they've made big donations to your favorite politicians instead of to mental health services. So that's a bait and switch. Every time they do this, Oh, here's a terrible problem. We must have a tax increase, and you agree to it, and then either A, they move the money to something else, or B, it doesn't solve the problem, and they come to you for another tax increase. So that's all happening at the same time on the issue of homelessness. You've been taxed and taxed. They've spent $20 billion. It's only getting worse. And now this measure, Prop 1, would it would create $6 billion in debt for 10,000 treatment beds. I don't know how that adds up. It does if you're if you're on the receiving end of the money. Exactly. <laughs> then it adds up very very well. I you know, I remember the numbers, but just you know, astound you know each unit of of homeless housing five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand dollars, and of course the people that is the uh, politicians' cronies and the people that are uh, giving money to the politicians are the ones that are in turn benefiting from all that. They call it the uh, that would just cause the homeless. Industrial complex. And this is, you know, we we talk about the importance of the private citizen on this show. 
And yes, voting and contacting your congressman and your, your, your elected representatives and that's all important. But also part of it is when, when, is don't be gullible. When they come at you, oh, here's a home, oh, homelessness. How terrible. Let's, we're going to spend, we're going to raise taxes and spend, and spend more money on it. You don't, well, well, wait a minute. How much money are you spending already? What have been the results of that? So part of it, part of being a, part of being a, fulfilling your obligations in your role as a private citizen is to be, is to be informed and go, okay, well, you see, they've already, they've already spent $23 billion on homelessness and it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. Maybe we need a different approach. That would be good. Another approach would be good. One of the things that we could do is we could repeal the housing first requirement that we have in law since 2016 which says that the the free housing cannot be attached to any kind of requirement to be in a sobriety program at all. So you have to accept people into the free housing regardless of whatever issues they're bringing into it, even though that might destabilize the whole building if people are trying to get well and you bring in people who are still using. That's the law. You have to do that. And everything under this Prop 1 would be under that housing first requirement as well, which means that people in the treatment beds would not be required to accept treatment. But you'd be required to pay for it. So yes. there's no coercion except of the taxpayer. And I think this is just all really troubling. It's, it's the wrong approach. None of the money can go for shelters. We've seen this before. They pass tax increases, but the money can only go for these new developments of so-called supportive housing. And then the taxpayers are on the hook forever for the support, as well as for the interest and principal payments on the bonds. The units are costing seven or eight hundred thousand dollars each to build in Los Angeles. Crazy. It's just, it's just a terribly failed approach. And all they're doing is throwing more money at it. Yeah. So as the private citizen, you know, it's ultimately your money. It's ultimately your country. It's ultimately your state. And, you know, if, if you keep, if you keep voting for them and giving the same crew of politicians more of your money, don't be surprised when, uh, you, when you get the same results. Same result. Well, something that everybody can do, one thing that citizens can do right now before December 8th is read the agenda of your city council and your county board of supervisors and watch for tax increase proposals. Cause right now is when they can slip them in for the March, it's really February ballot. Right now is when they're putting these motions in, in place and passing these new resolutions, which will put tax increases on the ballot. You have the opportunity not only to oppose them when they come up for a vote, but also if they're passed, to write a ballot argument. You can write a ballot argument that opposes these tax increases. And that makes a big difference when people get the voter guide and they read opposition, because otherwise what they read is, no opposing arguments were submitted, as if everyone agrees. It's just fabulous. And really, all it was was the calendar that they did it at the last minute and no one was watching in time. So you can watch. Watch those agendas at your city council, at the county board of supervisors, at any local transit district, school board meetings, this kind of thing. Go online, get the agenda, check it every week, and before December 8th, make a note if they've passed something and write a ballot argument or organize a local campaign just to inform people. Because if you inform people in January that this is going to be mailed to them on a ballot in February, that's how you get people to vote. You tell them why it matters 
And people who would normally not care suddenly become aware that there's something that's going to cost them personally a lot of money, and they should vote when they get their ballot in February to make sure that those taxes don't go up. That's how you mm-hmm. win. Same thing with bond measures. They 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 say we're going to have bond measure for something that sounds wonderful, but of course they, as we've learned with the high speed rail, they're not obligated to spend the money the way they promised. <laughs> they were going they were going to spend the money. That Let's take a, a pause prime, here and prime we'll example. <laughs> take a pause here. We'll hear from Ed Hoffman again, as well as our other sponsor for this uh, this half of United Radio, Attorney Gregory Britton, uh, doing business and real property law, and you can reach him at. 909-335-7335, 909-335-7335. I hear he's pretty good. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590, The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups in the Indian Empire. Very pleased this week to have on the show Susan Shelley, columnist with the SoCal Daily News Group, Vice President with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, and you... Yeah, where they are promoting repeal of the death tax, and you can sign their petition at repealthedeathtax.com. Um, I mean, I've heard of him, but a guy named Richard Ryder does a, periodically updates it, is compares California to the rest of the country and the, and the other states. And uh, we have the highest income tax, highest base state sales tax, highest gas tax, uh, highest corporate income tax west of the um, uh, west of the Mississippi. The combined state and federal uh, income tax rate in California is the second highest in the entire world. And uh, you, uh, electricity rates are seventy three percent higher than the rest of the country. The if you look at, they always brag that the California has the fifth largest economy in the world. But if you adjust it for population and the cost of living, uh, California uh, ranks lower than all but 13 of the states. If you have instead of per capita GDP, if you look at median household income, California is 48th out of all the states. And you can go, I can go, I can go on a lot of other, other, other things. Um, yet people keep, and here's, here's kind of the, the puzzling thing. And that's, that's kind of where we're going to bring you back into the discussion, Susan. 
is you see these just these really bad results. Crime is increasing, homelessness everywhere, despite spending vast sums of money on it. It's as bad or worse than ever. Um, California has, was it here, 47%, 37% of the welfare recipients in the country with only 12% of the population. And then go on and on. I can spend the rest of the show going, going over this stuff. Um, but people, there, there's no sign that the basic statewide divide in elections between Republican and Democrat is about 60-40. You know, sometimes a little bit, the Republicans do a little bit better than 40%, sometimes a little bit worse than 40%, but that's, it's pretty constant. Um, no, 40% of Californians are thinking of leaving the state, seriously considering leaving the state. But again, but I guess there, there, there's people that are, they're not willing to consider voting Republican instead of Democrat. And I wouldn't want to do that, but I'll, pa- I'll pack up and move to Texas. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? They, everything in the state can be fixed. And it's true that the split's about 60-40, but interestingly, the split in the legislature is much more blue than that. The, the voters are not as liberal as the state legislature indicates. And the legislators seem to be well aware of that, and they're constantly trying to hold down conservative candidates, even even conservative ideas within the Democratic caucus. They don't want any of that. They they are very progressive, and they are at war with the people of California. And this is frustrating. When you have an initiative on the ballot, like, for instance, Prop 15 in 2020, which would have raised property taxes on commercial property, it went down to defeat, even though it was supported by the whole government and the teachers union and all the unions. It went down to defeat. The voters were not that liberal that they wanted to raise taxes on all the businesses where they shop. And everybody understood that. So Prop 15 went down despite a very favorable electorate. You know, they, they had, they had everything they wanted. They had the timing they wanted. They had the electorate they wanted. They had the turnout they wanted and they still lost. So the voters are not as progressive the voters of california do not favor tax increases and that's why all the tax increases that are on the ballot are renamed something like we love puppies and then you vote for we love puppies it turns out it's a tax increase Mm -hmm. that's one of the things the taxpayer protection act fixes if it's a tax increase it has to say on the ballot label this is a tax increase (laughs) what a concept and the reason for that is because people have been tricked so many times yes one would one would hope that they would learn they, they would California voters would would uh, learn the lesson that uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me seventeen times, and you must be a California Democrat. Really, that is the truth. But honestly, I think you have to have some sympathy for the voters because when you get these things in the mail, you get your ballot and you get your voter guide. Prop one in the voter guide in in the March really February election has 54 pages. It was so expensive. It costs $123,000 a page to print something in the statewide voter guide. It's 54 pages. It was so expensive. It made it into the fiscal analysis of the legislation when it was before the legislature. This is unbelievably complicated, and everybody has been tricked and fooled. Prop 19 tricked people into removing this parent-child transfer exclusion, and now the property is reassessed when it's inherited. This this was trickery, and it was expensive trickery. That one cost like $50 million in advertising to trick people. 
And who knows what they're going to spend on Prop 1 to trick people. But I don't know too many people who are going to read that 54 pages in the voter guide and understand all of it. I don't think I'll understand all of it. It's very difficult. They make things very hard for voters, and that's not right. And then when something good is on the ballot for voters, like the Taxpayer Protection Act, the governor files a lawsuit to have it taken off the ballot. Is this a republic? Is this an autocracy? What are we dealing with here in California? It's like we're a client of China. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of, many of our rulers like China. Newsom, Newsom was just over there, um, probably taking notes from Xi Jinping about how to, uh, about, about, about how to govern. Um, probably. And I think also is, but you're right. And about the, the California electorate on initiatives votes more conservatively than they do when I have, when there's a R or a D next to a candidate's name. And that's, uh, that's, and that's what we're stuck with. And in, 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 in Prop 16, which would have reinstated racial preferences, it was defeated by a wider margin than the original Proposition 209 that banned racial preferences was in back in the 1990s, despite the fact that there are more, quote, minorities, unquote, and fewer white people than there were in the 1990s. It's very true. People, it was, it was as if the voters were saying, no, we really meant it. And we still mean it. And we mean it even more. We don't want racial preferences. Period. That was very strong. It's a very strong statement. And it's, it's really, it is really hard for us to, our side to qualify. You, you got your taxpayer protection act qualified, but there's a lot of other things that haven't. And, and, you know, the, the, the Republican party, they, if they wanted to, they could put their effort behind a slate of initiatives, find stuff that is, Politically popular that polls well, mm-hmm. and say here's what here's our program of things that seventy percent uh, each one of which seventy percent of Californians agree with, and go to the voters with it, but they don't do it. Um, okay, less than a minute here. Um, what would you, you know, advice advice to California patriots? Uh, what should they be doing? between now and the 2024 election. We're now down to 35 seconds. Talk to your friends, talk to your relatives, explain to them that the policies that are costing them money are caused by the candidates they're voting for. Explain to them that the energy costs and the cost of living in this state, is high, they're all higher than other states because of the people they're voting for and that this can be better. Explain that before they get in the U-Haul and go. My sister, once, who's liberal, once she was considering moving to Idaho or Montana because California is a you-know-what hole. And, I said, and so she, she was very offended then when I asked her, why is California a you-know-what hole? And he's more offended when I pointed out that Idaho and Montana are governed by Republicans. Well, uh, it can, it can, it can be, it can be hard to break through, but I want to thank you, Susan, for what you do and for being on the show. We are out of time. And as always, tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. radio. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.